On today's show, more updates about the Houston Rockets assistant coaching staff for head coach Ime Udoka. A couple new names joining the foray. A couple names that are teetering that may still be possible candidates, as well as we take a look around the NBA landscape at some of the other assistant coaching positions. It's basically a big game, a musical chairs, including one Steven Silas being brought on to the Detroit Pistons. And then we'll also take a look at the Houston Rockets and pick number 20 and Jet Howard as a possibility. All that and more. Can we right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green, Alperon Shingun, and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Hey, Houston fans, I am so happy. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come, come in and compete from day one. Six, five, Four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin. The show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. Now, today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's PrizePix.com, promo code Locked On. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on the way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making LOR part of your day every single day. Joining us now is your weekly co-host, Frank, from the Rockets Chop Shop. You can track down on Twitter at FTank58. And also be sure to follow the Rockets Chop Shop at HTX Chop Shop on Twitter. Go follow them, like, subscribe, all that on YouTube. Frank, we got a lot of assistant coaching news over the weekend for the Houston Rockets. A lot of names uh, entering the foray, if you will, as to being included this next season under Ime Odoka on his new coaching staff. We're starting to get a really good picture as to what this team is going to look like on the sidelines next season. Still no idea how the roster is ultimately going to look. So many questions moving forward with that. And we thought we had a good idea on Friday. We got like a bunch of reporting and it looked like there were a bunch of names that were like super concrete. And some of those names are still very much in the mix. So if you missed our Friday show, a very, very quick kind of recap. Ben Sullivan, former Celtics coach, shooting guru, he's pretty much locked in Royal Ivy is you know locked in first commitment that the Rockets got Mike Moser another player enhancement guy from the Celtics he's kind of locked in Aaron Miles was one that we thought was kind of locked in but apparently he's a bit more in limbo right now and you know might be getting pursued by a few other teams although the Rockets are still trying to maybe get a commitment from him at this point couple other names that have popped up that seem to be joining the staff at this point are Garrett Jackson Uh, and Craig Hodges. And so Garrett Jackson, quick little inside on him spent a couple years in the Spurs video department as an intern and then was brought onto the Celtics staff as another player enhancement coach uh, under Ime Odoka back in 2021. And then Craig Hodges is apparently another shooting coach who has worked with Udoka in both Philadelphia and San Antonio and is apparently the protege of Chip England, the renowned NBA shooting coach. So that bodes well. Frank, it looks like they're really putting an emphasis on shooting, and it looks like the Rockets are going to have not one, but two legitimate shooting coaches on the roster this next season. Which is um, 
It's, it's interesting, right, uh, as to what we all thought the Rockets' outlook on coaches was um, coming into the season. Obviously, uh, you know, being one of the bottom-tier teams in the NBA, you don't really see stuff like this happen when you're literally – the Rockets have upgraded to a championship-level coaching staff overnight. And um, if we don't do anything this offseason going forward – they've already probably made the biggest move that they've made um, to to improving our team. And just to reemphasize how important coaches are, watch the finals. Look at the finals. You're seeing probably two of the best coaches in the NBA, and Spo has, is basically making the claim to be the best coach in the NBA at the tactical adjustments that these teams make on a game-to-game, quarter-to-quarter, series-to-series basis to match up their guys against the other team's guys. And if you look at those rosters, I mean, like Miami, for example, how many top five picks are on those on that roster? So you start thinking about the importance of coaches. And once again, I'm going to say my definition for an elite coach. Can you take a team that's not supposed to be good? Can you make them outperform? And can you take a team that's supposed to be good? Can you get them to uh, to the championship? And I think we have both extremes going on in the NBA finals right now with Miami and Denver. Um, and just to reiterate the importance, man, coaches matter. And and when you're when you're tanking, what you don't want to do is tank in the coaching on the coaching on, on the bench with the coaches and tank in the front office. And you can tank on the court, but the real elite teams that really are able to make that switch from being bad to, okay, now we're ready to compete. And this was my issue with the Rockets as far as the way we were tanking the whole time is that we had young players that were naturally going to be bad. But at the same time, we our coaching staff wasn't great. You know, they weren't really up to par and you really saw that in a lot of games even when they tried to win so now at least for this phase coming out of this we know for a fact that the guys we have on the on that they're gonna be sitting on those sidelines and those practices watching film these are guys that have coached in the nba finals and that stuff matters it really does no, and I, you always see, I feel like fans consistently downplay the the importance of coaching, uh, almost to the point that it gets really frustrating, right? And one of the things that you can point to, look, when teams fall just a little bit short, right? When teams are, you've got like the perfect roster construction, you've got your stars, you've got like, you've got a team that's talented that should be able to make a deep playoff run or a team that you look at and say, okay, that is a contention level roster right there. What's the first thing that teams look to do, Right. They fire the coach and they look to go get an improvement because that's the one area aside from continued, you know, tweaking whatever, you know, moves at the margins you make to try and improve the roster. The other place that you can get improvement is coaching. That's the one element that you can take a roster, like you said, right, a good team and elevate them to a title or a bad team and have them elevate and outperform their their expectations. And you see that around the league every single season, right? We're seeing uh, it happen with Mark Dagnalt in Oklahoma City with that roster. We're seeing it happen with Will Hardy and the Utah Jazz and like like that weird cobbled together roster that everybody thought was going to be like, oh, they're going to be, you know, a bottom team. And they they were a bottom team, but they were actually good for a chunk of the season. And he has guys overperforming certain expectations with that team. So I'm excited about this roster, man. It looks like we're headed for a six-person staff for Udoka at this point. And it is worth mentioning that Kelly Eco did a recent kind of mailbag article answering some questions from Rockets fans. And one of the big questions is what's going to happen with coach Mahmoud Abdel Fattah and John Lucas. And he did mention, and he was just like, I'm just spitballing here. He had to, he had to preface heavily because Rockets fans take his words and, and run with them on social media. But he did mention the idea of 
Lucas maybe transitioning into more of a front office-esque position. And honestly, Frank, that's not something I'd considered before, but it would make a lot of sense, right? He's got like 10-year longevity around the organization, right? He spanned so many different eras of Rockets basketball. So maybe while Udoka wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable or wouldn't want him like right there on the bench, like like coaching alongside him or being a lead assistant, maybe him being like a liaison between the front office and like the coaching staff, kind of bridging that gap a little bit, still being around the team could have some merit. Think about that. And, you know, this is something that I think the Rockets have missed throughout the years is having more of our basketball guys in the, in, in the front office. Um, and especially during having like the Maury era, you think about the front office, how that it's a lot of executives that are career executives and, you know, analytics people and all that. But to me, part of building a culture that of basketball, you have to have some of the guys that have put in the work of actually playing in the league, coaching in the league, put them in position, especially having that history behind it. Um, and you know, and a couple, we couple see- exceptions, though, with with Chuck Hayes and, and Matt Bullard. So they are in the front yeah, office. Yeah, They've but- been there for Chuck was there for the Maury era, I think. He was there. He the was table. there for parts and Matt yeah. was there for, for parts. But I mean, if you go look at a lot of these organizations, the successful ones, they are just uh, kind of littered through with former players for uh, that are in uh, high level executive positions that actually get to make decisions about stuff that happens within a franchise. I'm not sure how much impact uh, Matt had or Chuck had, um, but you know, guys that play basketball can offer insight into match up with that executive level experience as well. So I think that'd be great to see um, uh, Lucas get in that role. And also once again, having that history in the executive suite, um, I think that's important for building NBA culture. Um, as far as him being on the coaching staff with uh, Coach Udoka, uh, you know, I don't want I don't want it to be a situation where they feel compelled to like keep somebody from the staff. You know, we saw this with Coach Silas. The first year they picked his staff, then he got to pick some of his staff. It, it's kind of a weird situation. Hell, we're seeing it right now with um with Vogel over in Phoenix. I don't know what's it with Vogel, but they never let this guy pick a staff. It's like it, the contracts <laughs> you can we'll pay we'll pay you, but we, we get to pick everybody, all your assistants, and one of them possibly could take your job. So um that's not a comfortable situation for a coach to be in. Um, I do want to point out for uh, Coach Udoka, one thing I love, especially with all these. Um, coaches were bringing in and this is from I'm not sure if it was Fagan's interview with him or Eco's but they had asked him about like his coaching experience and philosophy and one thing he spoke on was his experience with under Popovich is that the way Pop uh, develops coaches is that he allows them to be all around like it's not like you're going to be the shooting guy and you're going to be the defensive guy you're going to be the offensive guy Popovich raises coaches to be head coaches like every uh, coach on his staff is being prepped to lead as a head coach. So they're getting experience in every aspect of the game. And I think that the reason I like that is because, one, you do develop a tree of, of, of just great people. And we've seen the pop tree is a real thing. A lot of champions coming out of that tree from him. Um, but also um, you also develop guys bringing different ideas to the table. And I think he spoke on that where it's not just one thing that one guy thinks they actually have that thing where they get to, everybody gets to speak and we don't have to wait a month to try a guard on guard screen. Right. Uh, Abdel Fattah and Silas. So, you know, it's, it's, it's so many levels to this that people aren't really going to grasp as to what the impact of the, the step up. We have the biggest glow up of any franchise, probably in sports from going where we were to where no shot at coach Silas. He just didn't have the experience. 
and, and uh, to do what he was trying to do. And I think that, um, like I said, the Rockets just stopped what they're doing right now. Um, they've probably made the biggest move they're going to make this offseason already. Speaking of Coach Silas, we've actually got a few other names that we've been monitoring, some other movement around the association, uh, other guys moving into assistant coaching positions and how it may or may not impact the Houston Rockets, as well as Jet Howard, who has had like multiple workouts with the Houston Rockets. We'll take a look at him in segment three. Uh, we're going to get there in just one moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Next game, how about Nikola Jokic to score more than 26.5 points? What about Bam Adebayo to have more than 7.5 rebounds? Or how about Jimmy Butler to have less than 6.5 assists? Or what about Jamal Murray to have less than 3.5 three-pointers made? So what is prize picks? It's daily fantasy sports, but how does it work? Basically, you pick two to six players. If they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times back on your money on any entry that you submit. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize picks have you covered for projections for the NBA Finals, NFL, MLB, NHL. They've got you covered for everything. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that simple. They're safe. They offer fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. And right now, during the NBA Finals, one PrizePix user will win a chance at becoming a millionaire. But you have to download the app to find out how. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That means if you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. So don't forget to enter promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. All right, Frank, a few more names here as it goes with this time of year. So much movement with all the assistant coaches and teams rounding out their rosters, which this offseason, it's felt like there's been a lot of movement with so many head coaches moving on. And then you've got all these assistants playing like musical chairs with different organizations at this point. Uh, no James Borrego for the Houston Rockets. I know he was high on my wish list. Uh, how did you feel about like the idea of him pairing with with Udoka? I I was high on that. Yeah, it would be an interesting combination. Um, I'm okay with it because once again, um, I think that I don't know if he was a Udoka guy or was the uh, Houston guy that they wanted paired up with Udoka. Um, and once again, one kind of gives me comfort in knowing that the staff that he's bringing in, these are guys um, that have worked through with him before and some of him even dating back to San Antonio um, is, is that these, like I said, how Popovich develops coaches. And I think that having that contrasting like an offensive coach and a defensive coach, it kind of goes against what uh, Eme had stated that he views coaching as. So um, I like the idea and I actually buy into that philosophy of training people around you to do your job. Um, because then once again, more voices in the room. Um, so I'm okay with it. I think, uh, the emphasis on bringing guys that are able to, um, help, uh, NBA players learn how to shoot. Um, you have a differing styles of the differing ages. Uh, you got, you know, more newer kind of newer guys that are into the roles, some established, uh, coaching staff on there. And, um, it's just an interesting mix, but I like it. And I think, um, the fact that a lot of the guys left Boston uh, to come and follow him just tells you that, one, he was uh, somebody that was really well respected and and beloved over in that locker room, both by the players and the coaching staff. And they, to me, if you can lead men, 
Uh, and and that's something that's apparent. Like you know, guys that are like they're lead, like you'll run through a brick wall for a guy. So if 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 a, if a couple of guys are going to uproot their families and follow a, a coach that they're one year removed from, that does speak a lot to me about Ime's uh, leadership ability. So um, I'm I'm actually okay with the Borrego um, hire not making because I just feel like um, hell he wasn't on the Boston team that made it to the finals. So um, you know we're still we're still good. So I'm okay with that. Yeah, and I mean all the all these guys, right? Royal Ivy being willing to leave uh, the, the Nets, Craig Hodges moving, like all these guys just following Ime, right? He's got a lot of pull. It's not just yep. it's not just oh he's just getting the Boston guys that he was you know immediately coaching or you know coaching less than a year ago. It's he's reaching around. He's he's got the you know the coaching tree that he is accessing right now. All the guys that he spent time with, and he's cultivating his you know perfect little staff here. Borrego taking the. I, didn't tee this up when I said no Borrego. I just said we're not getting Borrego. Um, he is going to be the lead assistant for the New Orleans Pelicans, which yep. is a precarious situation for head coach Willie Green, who might be in a little bit of hot water, maybe on the hot seat a little bit. And that could very easily, you could see that turn into a situation where Willie Green gets ousted and uh, James Rago potentially takes over. So uh, isn't that a, isn't that a weird dynamic? Imagine bro, yeah. if you were like, there was a locked on co-host that, uh, <laughs> Uh, lock brought in that's sitting behind you as you record and, and just giving you tips and stuff on how to be better. But you know that uh, Locke really likes this guy. Like it's a weird situation. Yeah, bro. It, I just, just kind of that coaching stuff. No, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. Um, and then we've also got, uh, Good friend of the Rockets organization, former head coach, Steven Silas, who was scooped up by Monty Williams and the Detroit Pistons. And he is going to be the Pistons' lead assistant. That's my Silas. Uh, that happy. Oh, the happy, uh, happy the happy, yeah. the happy <laughs> Silas pose. Yeah, you gotta put the <laughs> arms up, dude. Look, you know, for what it's worth, you know, obviously the Houston situation was messy for a bunch of different reasons, right? It didn't work out for reasons that that have you know, that are directly as a result of, of Silas and the coach he is, the person he is, whatever. Um, and then there were just a bunch of factors at play with this roster, the ages. It just it just wasn't the right situation on both sides for a bunch of reasons. But the fact that he was able to immediately leave this position despite how tumultuous his stint was as the Rockets head coach and immediately be able to dive straight back into a lead assistant position with another organization just speaks to how highly his peers regard him and his basketball acumen, his ability. Um, he was widely regarded as a great assistant, a lead assistant type guy before becoming the Rockets head coach. And I'm sure that he'll get another opportunity to be a head coach further down the line. And ultimately I wish him all the best. I, I hope he has a lot of success working under Monty in Detroit, but maybe not too much success. Cause like the Pistons and Rockets got a little bit of a thing going on, which adds yeah, to mean, that now. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And this is very interesting. I I just tweeted when I saw this, the picture of uh, Monty Williams consoling him after his uh, his dad passed away after the game where he was hugging him. And I I, obviously I think I've heard they have like prior experience together um, and uh, maybe not coaching, just a relationship through the year. Yeah. 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 And um, so the, the way I see this one on the basketball side, perfect, perfect hire for Detroit. Um, obviously removed from the head coaching position. Um, Coach Silas is like you pointed out, he is a, when it comes to X's and O's in basketball, he knows his stuff, right? He knows his stuff. And especially um, with guards, like that's his thing, developing guards, 
Um, you, you can see the work he did with Kevin Porter and uh, Jalen Green, uh, Kevin Porter more than Jalen Green. Uh, he gets two guards in, in Detroit and in Ivy and in, in Cade that are both can can run the pick and roll with with pretty good, you know, for young guards. They're pretty good pick and roll guards. So you're, I think you're going to see probably big jumps from them. So let me just shout out to Detroit. They're, this is a win for Cade and Ivy because they're going to get a guy that like that offensive was guard oriented, pick and roll oriented, reading the pick and roll, um, spreading it out, five out, all that stuff. It's going to benefit those two guards immensely. Um, the issue with Silas in Houston wasn't really as much as what was in his head is really the other stuff about being a head coach, holding guys accountable and just kind of building that structure in place. And he doesn't have to do that now because Monty Williams, we know, is a hard ass and uh, he's going to take care of all that stuff. Um, so it's it's a perfect situation for him. It didn't so, work so out. Silas gets to go back to being the good cop, right? Like yeah, he gets he to be, be the good exactly. cop and, and Monty gets to be the bad cop. And that's yep. kind of how it should be for a, for the head coach, assistant coach dynamic. Yep. And it was it was inverse for us. The head coach, the head coach cannot be the good cop. It never works because <laughs> you're the guy you set the tone and having uh, Lucas as the bad cop thing. It just never worked out. Um, yeah, it's it's a good it's a good thing for him. And like I said, if if you, if anybody has listened to my criticism, I know most of the people that really know basketball, nobody criticized like, hey, bro, like you're you know, you don't know what you're talking about. It was like, why are these dudes not running back on defense? Right. Why aren't we, you know, uh, making, you know, they're not playing hard. Why are they not, you know, doing things that there's, you know, basic uh, functions of, of basketball? Why are they not getting what you're teaching them? And a lot of that is head coaching stuff. You're the manager of the team, essentially. And uh, he just really didn't do good at that. But now he can go back to where he can learn. And I'm sure what he learned in Houston is going to help him in the future um, to become a, a head coach whenever he gets that opportunity, as we've seen with uh, uh, big, bigger staff. You know, some of these guys need a couple, you know, a couple little lumps before they actually get it. And, um, you know, I think it's a good position for him to be in right now. Coming up, we've got one more assistant coaching name to get to Sam Cassell choosing to leave the 76ers and go to the Boston Celtics and what that might mean for the future of James Harden, as well as some thoughts on Jet Howard as a potential selection for the Rockets 20th pick. We're going to there in just one moment. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. All right, one more assistant coach here, Frank, who was on the move. Uh, Sam Cassell, who has consistently been in rumors and, you know, as a vying for a potential head coaching position one day. He's one of the longest tenured assistants in the NBA landscape. He's, you know, held in high regard by all of his peers. He's a guy that should absolutely get a shot at head coaching a team one day. And we talked about the dynamic a moment ago with James Rego, Willie Green in uh, New Orleans. And that could potentially be a situation at play here when you look at Sam Cassell joining Joe Missoula's staff in Boston as a lead assistant. Because I don't know if, like, Missoula's job is, like, safe for now, but having the ability to like right move on from Missoula and move to a guy like a Sam Cassell if things start off shaky maybe next season with Missoula whatever that could be you know a really interesting dynamic to pay attention to in Boston but I think the bigger thing that matters for Rockets fans is he's choosing to leave the 76ers organization which could be if we're looking at the tea leaves here might point to 
James Harden possibly on the way out because we know that those two guys are close, right? James Harden has an immense amount of respect for Sam Cassell. And if Cassell's on the way out, then it might have something to do with Harden not returning. I don't know. Maybe we're reading too much into this. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm not... I'm not going to say if there's like a direct correlation, but I, I do find it interesting. Once again, I think we're seeing the flip side also of the uh, email thing in Houston with Nick Nurse and Philly. Like these coaches that are really high tier, high level, highly sodded, they get their guys. And Sam Cassell's not a nurse guy. And for James, you know, the little comment that Nurse had said about I would love for or like or whatever he said for for Harden to to come back. Um I mean, I, I didn't, it just sounded like he kind of, cause he, he heard the question. He asked, excuse me, can you say that again? Um, and shout out to that reporter talking about not, not even leading up a foreplay, bro. He just went straight for the, he just went in there, right? <laughs> he just came for the business. Um, didn't grease the wheels or anything, man. He, he was nothing. just all just about straight, it. Yeah, man. He's, he's a, yeah, he went straight for the business, but, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it means for James Harden. I don't think anybody knows what anything means for James Harden. I don't think James Harden probably knows right now what that means for James Harden. Um, uh, this, you know, my views on him coming to Houston are going to stay the same pretty much till he signs. If he's probably, there's a high chance he does return. Um, for, for Cassell in Boston, I think that just shows what uh, Missoula lacked there, which is uh, the ability to really galvanize those players. And that you get a tough nosed coach that they know is going to kind of do some of the stuff that Ime does. And, um, you know, I, you know, uh, Missoula's on pack watch because he made a lot of bad decisions during his uh, playoffs run and uh, just shows you like this experience stuff with head coaching, it matters and it matters the temperament of the head coach. And once again, I'm hoping for Boston, well, whether I care or not, um, if Missoula is the good cop, he's going to get, he's going to end up losing his job and Sam Cassell playing that bad cop role. So it may be a succession thing where he does end up taking over. Um, but for the Harden piece, I mean, I, I don't think any of us know at this point, it seems like he's going to come pause, but um, you know, I just don't know, bro. And honestly, I, I really, yeah, I'm going to start doing the Knicks. You have the Knicks queued up, bro. The, I don't want to talk about James. You know Harden. what? I don't want to talk about Dacia Nick. I yeah. just don't understand it. I don't know I what's don't going on. And it's just, it's a lot of Dacia Nicks. It's a lot Re of James replace, Harden. <laughs> replace James Harden with Dacia Nicks. And Zach Lowe is my temperament word for word. Because um, we just don't know. We'll see though. But I'm, I'm getting the feeling that he probably is, is going to be coming down to Houston more and more as this stuff happens. Yet again, pause. Oh my. <laughs> but... Yeah. um. <laughs> Sorry, just gonna completely derail this episode. Uh, no, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna 100 take the low clip. I'm gonna like splice your voice saying James Harden over him saying Dacian Nix, and it's just like a combined little uh, feature clip. And we'll just have to run that back anytime we talk about James Harden on the show, <laughs> um, at least until he signs, because then we gotta embrace yeah, it for yeah, better or worse. We gotta embrace it. Yeah. Um, the last thing here. Uh, Rockets are really taking what looks to be a, a, a close look at Jet Howard, um, who is posted like, I feel like three, four, five, 12 different times on his Instagram that he's worked out in Houston. So like, he Houston, might, yeah. maybe he's just really, maybe he just really likes working out in nah, Houston. He got, maybe he got a girl down here, bro. That's what it is. There, he got okay. a girl. He's All right. There <laughs> no, we go. Playing, playing. That's not real. <laughs> but, but no, but he legitimately, this is yeah. that time of year where you start reading, you know, you're, you're doing all the, uh, the social media reconnaissance, right? Trying to figure out who's working out where, because the frustrating thing is, 
Some NBA teams are incredibly open about who they're working out and they allow even like reporters to come in and see the workouts and ask questions like the Blazers are doing that with all the top recruits that they're bringing in for the number three pick. Potentially, we've seen interviews with the Thompson twins, Scoot Henderson, all the guys that they're bringing in. Meanwhile, other teams like the Houston Rockets keep it all under lock and key and hidden by behind closed doors and you get no reporting. It's you got no idea what's going on. You got to again, you got to rely on social media posts from these guys. So. Jet Howard, you know, apparently doing a lot of workouts in Houston, has an organizational connection with the Rockets, son of former Rockets player Juwan Howard. So obviously there's that connection there. And he does kind of feel like, I don't want to say he fills a position of need, but when you look at who he is as a player, right, he's a big, you know, good size wing, 6'8", 215, um, good shooting wing, you know, just under 37%. I wonder, you know, how heavy they're considering actually maybe making that selection at pick 20 now, depending on how some of these workouts go, because I, you know, for me, Frank, I, I basically thought they were going to trade that pick. Like I, I hadn't really considered them actually making that selection because of how many other young guys they have on the roster. But maybe if they find a guy that they think could be available at 20, right. And jet Howard's been in some mocks where he's like, I've seen him go as high as like 17, 18. I've seen him in some other mocks where he falls below 20, like 23, 24, that range. So he could be in that sweet spot where maybe if they don't have a deal for pick 20 on the table, they want to have at least a few guys that they feel comfortable with, like drafting and maybe draft and stash, throw them at the G League, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, shout out to him. Shout out to Juwan. He was one of my weirdly favorite players um, growing up. I just like like the power forward era. But um, does he does he fit a need? I, I don't know, because. Because I love the length, you know, the size pause um, that, you know, the intangibles as far as his physical build that he brings. He's he's a rangy guy. Um, the shooting is to me is like 36.8 percent. He does take a lot of threes, though. He so it's it's on high volume. Um, the issue is just is he that good of a shooter that we can get him at a position that we currently are probably overstocked in? Um, and the reason I would say overstock that kind of, is he a good shooter? Is he, can we, we have a lot of those guys, um, on the roster already. Well, our question is, uh, can they shoot? Not, is he a good shooter? Most of our guys are not. Um, but for him it's just that, can that shot, can it get to 38, 39% in the NBA at the NBA three point line to justify bringing him in when we have Tari Eason on the roster, for example, that could very well do whatever he's doing, but at a higher, more elite level, or could we try to go get a position of need uh, or some, another wing that just shoots better. Cause I think like uh, Udoka pointed out the team needs um, basically we need more kind of a contrast from Al P on the, at the center position and we need shooting. Um, and I just don't know if jet justifies either, obviously not the big part, but like, is he a good enough shooter to make that pick for him there? And that would be my concern. Cause if, if that wasn't the case, then I would rather just try to go get a big now, obviously when the season, uh, first ended for the college lively was in that 20th range. Um, that, that the price on that break went up. Like I've seen mocks putting them up. Like, dude, I've seen him in the top 10. Like it's, it's same. Crazy. I was about to say that. Yeah. So that break is gone. Like we, we are, we, once again, we're the, we're the kid and his, and his dad walking down the street with groceries in their hand uh, and uh, with our assets. So lively is like uh, he can Uber to the store. So I don't know if we're in that range yet. So um, to, to really move up, that would cost some things. Um, but yeah, I think you can get some guards late, late in the draft. Um, but you think about Ty Ty, I don't know. I, I you know, I like Jed, howard in theory because of 
like positional length and all that. But um, as far as like what we actually need, which is just shooting and uh, a defense, I don't know if he is good enough to for us to ignore some of the actual like position needs to just get him if that makes sense yeah I, I don't know if I would even look at it as like a thing where you're drafting based on need at that point maybe it's more so just like a, okay they believe in his upside potentially one of the things uh and again my I'm going to preface this by saying I haven't watched a ton of Jet Howard at this point. So, but one of the things that I'm seeing some other draft heads say about him, right? He's got a good feel for the game, that kind of thing. And he uh, is a thrive, like thrives off like movement shooting, right? Coming off actions, that kind of thing. Um, very like Desmond Bain esque. And when you look at the Rockets roster, Nobody does that right now on this roster. Right. Now, again, some of that is how they were utilized. I think next season we're going to see hopefully a lot more like Jalen, KPJ kind of, you know, thriving off movement, that kind of thing. Uh, Jabari Smith Jr. hopefully coming off some, you know, pin down screens, that kind of stuff, getting some more catch and shoot opportunities uh, with, say, Alpert and Shingun as like a facilitator, that kind of mold. But... Uh, having a guy who can do that, right? Garrison Matthews, Gary Bird was the one guy who could do that last season, right? Re you know, consistently come off a screen, you know, you give him even just this much room and he was going to pull up for three. So having a guy that can shoot kind of volume threes is comfortable with that role. Maybe they view that as just like, hey, let's add another wrinkle to what we might potentially have as like a core, like a trio or a quartet of like our wings moving forward. And again, if they just stash him at the G League level, um, I don't think necessarily that whoever they take, if they take somebody at pick 20, is going to be somebody who's even getting rotation minutes out of the gate, right? It's probably going to be a project guy, somebody that they think they can bring along a bit more slowly. Again, stash him at the G League level and then hopefully, you know, they pan out upside side uh, and then can turn into a contributor on the roster a little bit further down the line on that note frank let everybody know where they can track you down at man yeah man you could just hit me up on twitter at ftank58 and obviously the rockets chop shop youtube page um you guys can tap in we do live streams try to get them in weekly but yeah man appreciate you for having me and that's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Just search Locked on Rockets and be sure to like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.